0: Dynamo. Here we are at week number two.
1: Whoa! <laughs> so Sarah, how are you doing this week? Um, pretty good. Last week I was a little bit of a sick raccoon, which is why I still kind of have this like <laughs> Phoebe from Friends voice. Like remember sure. the episode where she gets sick and she sings better? That's kind of what I'm dealing with. Have you been singing? I have not been singing. Although I did sing a little bit um, from Cats, the musical Cats, before we got in <laughs> to record this. Um, But I'm not going to do that again because copyright. How have you been, Abby? Not bad. Uh, I did get rear-ended yesterday, so that
0: wasn't great. But other than that, I've been doing pretty well. Reading for fun. That's good. What have you been reading? I'm currently reading Georgia Peaches and Other Forbidden Fruit by an author (laughs) whose last name is Kay. It's a really excellent book about... um, I'm going to review it while Sarah is looking up the author's name. It's about a girl who is uh, openly out. She's gay and she moves to a small town in Georgia. And her father, who's just gotten remarried and is a preacher, asks her to stay in the closet for her last year of high school. Drama ensues. But it's actually a very lighthearted, kind of a rom-com feeling. It's a YA novel. It, the um this book is written by J Robin Brown. So I was completely wrong,
1: <laughs> but that's good. I will have to check that one out because it sounds really interesting. Definitely, especially coming off of Love Simon, which we both saw. Yes, so good. Like we both just paused because I could like tell it was like this intake of breath, like ah, Love
0: Simon. Uh, I cried for uh, basically the entire movie. 11 out of 10 would recommend. It was very, very well done. So what have you been up to? What's on your pop culture radar this week?
1: Um, well, I've watched a lot of movies recently and some movie trailers, and I was going to talk about those, but then this morning I saw something that I believe it was last week. It came out in Forbes, um, but our last episode, as faithful listeners will know, was about The Greatest Showman, a 2017 movie musical starring Hugh Jackman. Um, and Hugh Jackman, Benj Pasek, and Justin Paul, Pasek and Paul, are, are of course the songwriters. They did an interview with a reporter from Forbes, and they basically talked about the possibility of *The Greatest Showman* coming to Broadway. And while there was no definitive answer given, Hugh Jackman basically said he wrapped a film recently, he's unemployed, and he's working with them to kind of figure out the particulars of the show. I'm ready. Uh, my. Thing- I'm ready. <laughs> Is I feel like this is like a brief version of my like diatribe on this. I feel like so often so many people see a movie musical and immediately go, this needs to make the leap to Broadway. Just because I feel like Broadway and musical is synonymous for many people, even though Broadway is so much more than musicals. And I don't think people realize all of the work that it takes to not only make a Broadway musical, but a good Broadway musical. So all of these people are freaking out like, oh, my God, The Greatest Showman's coming to Broadway. There are so many factors that have to come into play, not to mention real estate. Like, I'm getting super into oh, this. no. But people, it's going to at least be four years. I mean, I- if you think about it, Frozen movie came out end of 2013, and it just opened on Broadway last week. That's about four and a half years where are they going to get the elephants? Puppets, perhaps. I think they should do like a war horse or Lion yes. King style. That would be really cool.
0: Several men can lift up Hugh Jackman, <laughs> carry him across the stage to his daughter's ballet recital. I am not over this and I never will be. Speaking of Hugh Jackman, we're not drinking Laughing Man coffee tonight, but boy, do we wish we were Laughing Man coffee.
1: Sustainable Fair Trade Coffee by Hugh Jackman. Operation Dynamo podcast, powered by Laughing Man Coffee. At Hugh Jackman. We're waiting for that sponsorship. Yes. <laughs> we'll drink it every time. Um, another thing that I want to bring up was last uh, week I talked about Rise, or when did we record our last episode? It, last episode I talked about Rise.
0: We'll be releasing bi weekly for a while.
1: And I said that I couldn't remember the actress's name who played voiced Moana in the film Moana. Um, it's pronounced Auli'i. I I don't have her last name, but I just want to offer that, um, correction, addendum to the first episode. Perfect. Because we want to keep our listeners up to date and we don't want to break our promises to them. So anyway, uh,
0: now that we've talked a little bit about movie musicals, it's probably a good time to start talking about our topic of the week. Yes. We've decided to go a step back in time (laughs) about one year. Almost one year to the. Well, a little over one year. A little over one year. Uh, we thought it would be fun to talk about a movie that we didn't share the same opinion on. Uh, Sarah loved this movie. I liked this movie. <laughs>
1: um, Should we say what the movie is at the same to, time? Okay. One, two, three. La La-la La Land! So
0: I hope you didn't forget about La La Land, because we certainly didn't.
1: I mean, how could you? Easily. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just, I really like this movie. This is another one. I think I saw it, like, multiple times in theaters last year when it first came out. And I, like, hound everyone I know to see it. I think I've seen it probably seven times now, including the most recent watch, because I watched it, like, five days ago. Today I told
0: some of my classmates what our podcast topic was for the night and my friend Karen, shout out to Karen, told me that she was team Abby and also didn't understand
1: the hype. Oh god, I have not met someone who is on my side, which is a little upsetting to me. That's unfortunate. Um one thing like before we get into like our actual talking points, Um, I think both of us have very close relationships with our mothers, and thankfully we both have very funny mothers, and our mothers both had comments on La La Land, Mm -hmm. so I think we should start with this. Um, I made my mom watch La La Land with me this summer. I think her exact words were, she had a similar thing to The Greatest Showman, where if I watch this, will you stop talking about (laughs) it? And the answer is always no. But she said she thinks the movie is sad and doesn't understand why people think Ryan Gosling is attractive.
0: My mother is not at all on the same page with Sarah's mother. Shout out to Kathy. And Mary. (laughs) My mother said, Ryan Gosling is adorable, but he's crackers if he thinks he can sing and dance. (laughs) That's a little bit of a paraphrase. (laughs) I don't remember exactly the words she used. But then I told her that he actually got out, uh, he started out dancing. There's a really excellent clip of him on the Graham Norton show dancing when he's like 13. And he's wearing hammer pants, and he reveals that he chose the hammer pants, which makes me love Ryan
1: Gosling a little bit more than I already did. I know he's Canadian, but I consider him an American treasure. I do as well. I have some other things to say about him, but I think we'll get to it organically as the podcast progresses. Perfect. Progr- I said that word really weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is there a topic you want to talk about
0: first? Okay, the first thing I want to talk about, I okay. think we should start with the first major number, which precedes the movie. Okay. And
1: I just want to say, I don't get it. I Clarification, another day of sun for those who have seen the film when they're all on the freeway in Los Angeles and all the cars are there. Spoiler alert. <laughs> this is, Just accept <laughs> that this will be filled with spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, why are you listening to this? I
0: think that one of the things that I was thinking about, I just rewatched this movie, is that none of the group numbers make sense to me. There are only two, and neither one makes sense. The thing that I'm thinking about this movie, the way that I feel, is so to uh, throw it back to Greatest Showman, there were a lot of critics who talked about how they just didn't understand why people liked it, and I'm kind of the other way, where I'm just like, why did the critics love it as much as they did? Because I like the movie, Mm -hmm. but there are so many choices that I just don't get. Like the first scene, there's a girl who starts singing who we never see again. Who is she? Why is she so excited about Los
1: Angeles? And why is everyone else? They're stuck in traffic. Okay, well, I'm going to argue this isn't a movie musical thing, but like stage musicals. We've both seen stage productions before. How many times have you seen an opening number where it's, like, the ensemble and it's just random ensemble members, like, singing a line and then you never see that ensemble member again. I just don't think it connects very well with the
0: rest of the movie. Okay. I think it's entertaining and, like, I don't mind watching it and I really like the song. But my feeling is I would like La La Land better. Like, I like it better when I just listen to the soundtrack as opposed to when I see the movie.
1: Okay. I appreciate that. (laughs)
0: I hope this isn't too touchy of a topic for us to discuss. It's not. It's getting heated already, but it could be because the studio God. that we're recording this in is about 110 degrees. Summer is here.
1: <laughs> um, building off of that, I want to talk about the music a little bit. Okay. Because this is another... Pasek and Paul contributed to this. They just wrote the lyrics for it. Justin Hurwitz wrote the um, score for the film. Honestly, there's not that many songs in this movie, if you think about it. A lot of them are repeated songs. A lot of them are repeated. You have Another Day of Sun, Someone in the Crowd, and A Lovely Night. Those happen, like, all within, like, a 30-minute span in the beginning. True. And then you have a lot of instrumental pieces for, like, the next hour or so. Then you have City of Stars... And then that John Legend song that I know... I love it. Within the narrative context of the film, you're not supposed to like it. But, but it is a, so good. Do the kids call it a bop? A banger? A banger? I don't know what it's, it is, but I love it. It's a banger. It. And then... John
0: Legend is also a treasure.
1: He I would like to state that outright. I'm, like, really intrigued to watch him in Jesus Christ Superstar Live. What? Yeah, he's doing that on Sunday night. Who is he playing? <laughs> Jesus another comment that I want to make about the
0: girl who starts the first Mm -hmm. song. I have two comments to make, and one is not my point. It's a point that I've picked up from another conversation about Mm -hmm. La Land. So I'll do that one first, I guess. My friend Ivy made the point about Emma Stone being cast in this role. I think that there are probably a lot of different ways you could look at this, but Ivy had said that Emma Stone is a conventionally attractive to to a certain extent you know uh white like straight woman and if she is the person who can't get cast in anything like what does that say Mm -hmm. because we just thought that maybe it would be a more interesting movie if it was like a person of color or like someone who's not conventionally attractive that's trying to get cast you know yeah Because I think that Emma Stone does an amazing job, and I really do love her in this movie, and I think she has amazing chemistry with Ryan Gosling. I'm so glad they've done multiple movies together. But at the same time, I do think that, of course, Emma Stone is going to get cast. You know, she's already a movie star. Like, maybe it would have been more interesting if it was someone unknown or, like, someone who's not, like, the conventional choice.
1: And I think similarly enough to that, like, another um, critique that has been made of the movie is the fact that, like... Ryan Gosling is painting himself to be like the savior of jazz and like maybe a person of color should have taken on that role and I understand that it's like a totally valid critique but I I still like the movie for what it is and like that's something that you have to wrestle with on like your whole like what do you like in art yes but I just like I think it's as it is like are there things that could have been improved or done differently yes yes but for me, like, somebody, um, one of my friends, I'll give her a shout out, even though she's not going to listen to this yet, Lauren, talks about, like, the <laughs> concept of, like, a comfort movie. And, like, when you just need to mm-hmm. watch something that you like and makes you feel good, like, what is that? And for me, La La Land is a comfort movie. So, like, I understand all of the critiques of it. Right. But I still like it, and I'm still going to watch it when I'm sad or sick or anything like that. There's two major things that really get me in this movie, and I'll say them, and then we'll go to Sarah
0: to get what she loves about this movie. Because there are also things that I love about it, and I want to talk about those as well. Mm -hmm. But while I'm thinking about it, there are a lot of characters in this movie who seem really interesting, who come on, and then they leave forever. And I just... Why? Why couldn't Ryan Gosling's sister have been in the movie more? She is hilarious. She comes in, messes up his stuff, uh, annoys him which he needs I think yes. his character uh, and she leaves and never comes back I think he gets a Christmas card from her
1: yeah they go well uh, when they date when they're like doing I think the musical number is called summer montage slash like Madeline or something right Um, they meet her and her boyfriend and then she's like oh look true. I got engaged true and then at the engagement party musical number which is just called engagement party on the soundtrack um, he's playing at his sister's engagement party and he's all sad because Emma Stone has left him at this point and it's honestly kind of a misnomer because when I first got the soundtrack I was like oh engagement party Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are going to be engaged and they're not I'm going to be honest I missed all <laughs> of these parts <laughs> of the movie
0: uh, but Emma Stone's roommates yes. also leave and they seem very interesting one of them's English mm-hmm. what's she doing there why do they
1: have such a nice apartment is one of them rich we don't know But I hope so. They also do come back um, at the start of the summer when they're like, oh, give us roles in your play. But I, like, agree. These aren't, like, substantial. Yeah. It's like they either have no lines or they have one line and there's no fleshing out or adding of dimensionality to characters. Yeah,
0: it did make them seem like they were just there to play, like, their one part and Mm -hmm. then leave. And I get it. You know, I get it. Writing a movie's hard. (laughs) But perhaps, like... They could have come back, like, maybe when their relationship is in trouble or mm-hmm. something. But who's to say? Uh, <laughs> I think I had something else to say, but I've completely forgotten.
1: Tell me something you liked about the movie. Um, we'll come back to it. Okay, so, I mean, I think I can talk about the music, how I really like it. I love the instrumental. I actually went and bought, like, the instrumental score album, separate mm-hmm. from, like, the soundtrack. Um, and it's just so beautiful. I adore the song that Ryan Gosling is playing
0: when Emma Stone first sees him in the club. And I don't know what it's called. I think it's called Mia and Sebastian's Theme. It should be, because it's legendary. I want it to be playing at all the important moments of my life. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what would be an important moment in my life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is sad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you graduate... Yeah, a
0: bittersweet moment after graduation, though it will all be sweet. I'm ready to go.
1: (laughs) I'm not so sure yet. Um another thing I wanna talk like this is just kind of like not what I really want to talk about, but I love the cinematography and the look of this movie. I literally wrote down in my notes I want to live in this movie because I think the lighting is so pretty. I love all of, like, I just want to wear everything Emma Stone wears. Like, she has a nice wardrobe. Probably too nice for that of a struggling actress. Unless she's, like, hitting up some Los Angeles Goodwill or something. Um, I really
0: like that it looks like an old movie, but also it kind of doesn't make sense to me, because it just feels anachronistic to me, as all movies (laughs) apparently do. In a way, that kind of doesn't make sense like I know it's a throwback to classic mm-hmm. Hollywood movies but because everything else is so modern
1: I just can't wrap my head around it necessarily I wonder if it was like almost like a stylistic choice because if you think about it a lot of things that other characters do or other like yeah situations I feel like for are very sure. modern but yeah. Emma stone and Ryan Gosling are very kind classic. of classic and so I wonder if that's trying to like because their characters do kind of romanticize the past and the golden age of Hollywood and the golden age, age of jazz. What I don't like about that is that both of their characters are rewarded.
0: Yeah. Um, a thing that really gets me is that John Legend, who is apparently the antagonist <laughs> of the film because he likes modern music. What an animal. <laughs> and because he writes amazing songs and wants to give Ryan Gosling a job. Terrible person. He says something to Ryan Gosling Sebastian, I suppose Mm -hmm. along the lines of Seb. Uh, He says something like I've written it down. I made notes this week. I came prepared to do this podcast. He tells Ryan Gosling to look toward the future Mm -hmm. and to kind of bend with the times because Ryan Gosling is kind of like, I can't play this modern sounding jazz with beats. Uh, (laughs) uh, He But in the end, Ryan Gosling still does. Mm -hmm. And that turns out to be successful. But I feel like it shouldn't be. You know, I think we Mm -hmm. should value, like, musical history, etc. But at the same time, I think that it's wrong to value that, to value the history only, Mm -hmm. you know, and to not have a
1: space for what's new. That's fair. I think that can be said about a lot of art forms, like, even outside of music. For sure. I really agree with that. Wow. We are really... (laughs) This is unity. I like that this is a productive conversation because this is... Abby was very... I don't want to say you were worried, but I think there was, like, something in the back of your mind. You were like do you really want to do this? Because I know how passionate you you feel about this film. And like last year, like I have people that when I say, oh, I like La La Land, it's like they attack me like a pack of dogs. And they're like, you like that movie? And then they proceed to tell me everything that's wrong with it. But I feel like we're having a give and take here. And we're listening to each other, which is important. This is a life lesson, everyone. It is.
0: Listen. People can get along. Yeah. Put your differences aside.
1: Um, two things that I want to talk about in relation to the plot are, I'm going to say this first. Somebody last year told me that in this movie, Emma Stone is not a strong woman. Excuse me? That she's, like, weak and Excuse she's not me? And, like, for those who are unfamiliar with the plot, again, why are you listening to this if you haven't seen La La Land? Um, go watch La La Land. Yeah, watch it. But she is a struggling actress, and then she decides to like do her own one-woman show. It does not go well. It's a flop. <laughs> and she leaves. She goes back to um, her house. Boulder City. Boulder City. Nevada. Yeah, the the sh- house across from the library. The show's called Farewell, Boulder City, which, by the way, somebody actually put that show up off-Broadway this past winter. Really? This guy dressed as Emma Stone and did a production of Farewell, what? Boulder City. Um, that's really cool. I wish I could have seen that. Um, But she goes back home to her parents, and then Ryan Gosling gets a call from an agent who wants her to audition, and he drives to Boulder City to tell her about this, brings her back to Los Angeles, and then she becomes a successful actress.
0: That scene, side note, breaks my heart. When he's talking to her outside the library, and he says, like, you have to come audition for this. You're definitely going to get it. And Emma Stone says, that would kill me. Mm -hmm. And it really gets me, because she's auditioned so many times, and even though I feel like Emma Stone should not be the protagonist (laughs) in this movie, it makes me very sad to think about, there's a Beyoncé quote, Mm -hmm. I think. I don't know exactly what Beyoncé says. I'm gonna paraphrase. Surely she said it better. I don't know. But she says something like, you can do everything right, and you can try your best, and you can still fail. And I think that's really painful, and I think that's something that Emma Stone's character knows, and she just doesn't want to fail anymore. Mm -hmm. At the same time, that's something about this movie that gets me. I have taken this conversation way off track, but I feel like it almost might be more interesting if they didn't succeed, because Mm -hmm. the chances of you succeeding in something like the fields that they choose is so impossible and I almost would rather it be like you can have a happy ending even if you don't achieve Mm -hmm. your
1: like your ambitions yes but we can come back to that that's a much longer conversation yeah and I have something to say about that too but excellent I think the fact that like she could have very well when he was going on tour with John Legend's band or Keith as his character is referred to um she could have just dropped everything and been like you know what my show didn't succeed I'm just going to like be your dutiful spouse. I'm going to follow my boy. And But she didn't. She like took the time that she needed for her, and then she had a career, and she doesn't end up with him in the end. Very similar to Jane Eyre. Oh, God. One of my favorite strong
0: women in literature and pop culture. We're going to talk about this in a future episode. We have some interesting things about Jane Eyre. I trust Jane Eyre more than anyone in my life.
1: Very good. Um, but I also wrote down um Who Leaves Ryan Gosling? She follows her career. She's a strong woman to say no. Who leaves to Ryan, Ryan Gosling? Gosling? Uh Ryan Gosling, just by the way, is very dreamy. He has, like, this quality. I recently watched Blade Runner 2049, which he is also in. And Instant seeing classic. And these movies so close together, and they're obviously incredibly different. He just has this way of, like, delivering a line where he's just so deadpan and dry that, like, he's not even trying to be funny, but it's so funny. And I love that I about him. I love Ryan Gosling. And he's, like, a very understated performer as well. I like that.
0: He's subtle. Yeah. I really wanted to watch all of Ryan Gosling's movies, but then I
1: realized there was about 40 of them and I have other things to do. I'm kind of doing that right now, because I finished all of Zac Efron's movies, but I still have blanket left to knit, so I've, like, watched two Ryan Gosling movies, and I'm like, I'm gonna commit. To clarify, Sarah was knitting a blanket while she watched all of Zac oh, Efron's sh- movies. Oh, <laughs> I should have said that. Um, <laughs> I have, she's not done. Right now I have The Notebook and The Nice Guys also in my room. Ooh, The
0: Nice Guys was an excellent and very weird movie. A uh, very weird
1: movie. I haven't seen either of those. I Russell know- Crowe and Ryan Gosling are a true odd couple. Okay. I'm excited. I think that's going to be good. Um, But back to the point at hand, because we're getting sidetracked. The other thing that I want to say about the story is that I think a lot of people find it sad, because in the end, they don't end up together. True. And I was wrecked. Get wrecked past self. But I think there's something oddly hopeful about it, because... At the end of the movie, it's like they have she and her husband, five years after Ryan Gosling drove her to her her audition, they go to this jazz club that Ryan Gosling has opened. He calls it Sebs, which was the name that she told him. So you're like, oh, God. Shout out to Chicken on a Stick. Chicken on a Stick. The better club (laughs) name and she and her husband are sitting there ryan gosling sees her he starts playing the piano mia and sebastian's theme broken heart and then it's like this whole kind of alternate timeline where like what if they had ended up together which was a lot to be honest and it's like eight minutes long and then it cuts back to present day and he's like at the piano and she's just sitting there kind of like broken in her face and her husband's like oh hey let's go because he's completely oblivious. Let's go home to the kid, who is adorable. The kid is adorable. The kid is so cute. She should have had a bigger part in this movie. Oh, my God. And as she and her husband are leaving, he walks out the door. And then she stops. She turns back. And she and Ryan Gosling make Oh, eye it breaks my heart. And if they had just cut it there, it would have been so sad. But what they do is he looks at her... <laughs> And he kind of nods and smiles and she kind of nods and smiles. And I feel like that's saying, you know, like, it's okay. We didn't get everything we wanted, but we're still both happy. Why aren't they friends, though? Why didn't they stay friends?
0: Like, does she not know about the club? Because that seems bananas to me. When she is about to go or once she's already auditioned and she's waiting to find out and Ryan Gosling's like, you're going to get it. And then she kind of asks about their relationship. And then they end up saying, like, we'll wait and see, but it kind of already seems like it's not going to happen. But then he says, I'll always love you. And Mm -hmm. she says, I'll always love you. It kind of blows my mind that they don't stay friends. And it makes me super sad. And I kind of get that there's a lot of history and there's a lot of pain and it was super rough. But like, would she really not know that she opened a or that he opened a club? Like, are they not Facebook friends?
1: I'm going to pitch an idea here for what happened in those five years between... Are they not even Facebook friends? (laughs) She goes to France to work on the movie. They stay in touch for a little while. Maybe he comes to visit her. Maybe he leaves. Maybe he leaves L.A. to go do his jazz thing somewhere else. Like, maybe he's still touring with Keith. She, Which he should be. She goes and, like, does another movie. Maybe she's in, like, a superhero franchise. Although I don't really feel like that's her brand. But she, like, goes. She meets someone. Maybe Spider-Man. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Maybe she'll be in
1: Spider-Man. <laughs> Maybe Mia is in Spider-Man. Um, but, like, they just they lose touch. You lose touch with people. No, you don't. Okay, it's been about five years since I've seen some of my friends from senior year of high school. And these are people that I was, like, super close with. I haven't talked to some of them. And it's just because we started doing different things. We found different things we were passionate about. I understand it wasn't, like, a they were passionate in love. love. But I think, like, it's a similar thing. Um, I accept
0: that, but it made me really sad. I am definitely one of the people who saw the end of the movie and thought it was really sad. Because for me, I felt like was the fact that they couldn't be together, was that the thing that wasn't believable? Like, not that she becomes a famous actress, Mm -hmm. like, internationally, most likely. That is something we're supposed to believe. But the fact that they couldn't be together kind of gets me. Because I think this is one of the main things I was thinking about when I rewatched it. Is that the movie just prioritizes certain values in ways that I wouldn't prioritize. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons that I really don't like the end of this movie. It's because they have a choice basically between their ambitions and kind of like just a cool stability. Mm-hmm. Like, who's to say if it was true love? Is this true love real? A conversation for another day. But... They do seem genuinely happy together. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they could probably be happy doing kind of whatever, you know? Like, maybe he doesn't play with Keith anymore, which would be a mistake in my opinion. But maybe he doesn't, you know? Maybe he's just, a like, a pianist on the side. Or, like, he just writes music on the side and she is in, like, small theater productions, but they stay together. Mm-hmm. I think that would be an equally happy end. Hot take. I, I would agree with that. And so I just think that the fact that, like... They can't make their relationship work, but they can follow their
1: ambitions. I don't know. It doesn't really do it for me. I just find comfort in the fact that, like, you can have something happen to you that you think in that moment is truly devastating and that you're never going to recover from it, but things can still be okay. To what do you refer? The, well, like them breaking up. Like I imagine oh, that was yeah. probably very tough Crushing, on the both of them. Very sad. We're getting very deep into the psychology of these two fict- <laughs> fictional know. characters. But like I can imagine that would probably have been devastating to them. And but th- losing Ryan Gosling really would be. <laughs> they're okay with it though, and like maybe it takes five years for you to be okay. But that little like nod that they give each other at the end—that's what makes it all okay. Okay, but five years
0: later, she's married, and she has a child, okay? How old's the child? I can't tell. I can't tell how old children are. I would approximate between two and three. Three? Three. Oh, yes. Okay. Maybe the (laughs) child's three. So, that puts us at two years ago. When did she meet that man? Has she known that man? Did she meet that man the day that she broke up with Ryan Gosling? A co-star, perhaps? They date for two years. They get married. She gets pregnant immediately. That's crazy. That's crazy.
1: Maybe she took like a year for herself because she really wanted to focus on this project. When did she meet him? (laughs) I'm getting there. I'm getting there. She like really wants to focus on this project. She comes back to L.A. She's getting more work. And then she's like, you know what? I haven't really been with anyone since Seb. And she's like, I need a rebound. And she meets this guy and they hit it off. They date for like a year. Maybe she gets pregnant and then they get married. Maybe they get married, then she gets pregnant. Who's clear on the details? But, like, that could be a believable scenario. Maybe they adopted that beautiful child. Maybe. Maybe they, like, dated for four years and then adopted the child, as is. As is.
0: (laughs) That seems believable (laughs) for this conventional romance plot. Five years just doesn't seem long enough. She gets really famous really quick too. That's like some Cardi B level <laughs> coming out of the woodwork. Because five years, like who wasn't a star five years ago who's extremely famous now? Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Excellent point. She could definitely become that famous that
1: fast. Yeah. I take it back. But five years Especially like It's quick. We're assuming that social media is a factor in this. Oh. And I yeah. feel like social media on a deeper level, really accelerates people's fame, because, like, you can find success overnight if you have the right tweet. You know
0: what's bananas to me? Is how many movies use the exact iPhone sound as the ringtone of the characters? Because it does symbolize phone to me, but it really brings me out of the moment when I'm like, ah, capitalism has found its place once more.
1: The moment in La La Land that always gets me is when he surprises her. He, like, comes back to their apartment and he's, like, making her dinner. And they have, like, that major fight and then it's silent. Very upsetting. And then the fire alarm goes off. That is such a realistic fire alarm. When my mom and I were watching it this summer, she was like, oh my goodness, like, is, is that our smoke alarm? And I was like, no, just stick with it for, like, 45 seconds and it'll all
0: be over. Okay, a thing I now want to talk about is the speed of the narrative. I feel like the target, or not the target, but kind of the goal of the movie changes because their whole relationship happens in one hour, and their relationship starts to deteriorate halfway through the movie. Mm -hmm. And then the goal of the movie seems to shift back towards them actually accomplishing their goals, which is totally lost when they're getting together. Not totally, but it definitely gets on the back burner. Mm -hmm. So, when I was watching the second half of this movie, I was trying to multitask. So I had my computer not facing me, and I was trying to read a book written in French. So it was a non-ideal situation. But I was kind of listening to the second half of La La Land, because I've seen it before. And there's a long part of the movie that's kind of quiet, you know? There's not, like, a lot of loud things... What are the plot points that you're referring to? It's kind of right after the concert where Emma Stone sees Sebastian play with John Legend. It's after that. <laughs> I don't know his name. Keith. Keith. Mia,
1: Seb and Keith.
0: I think of them as Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling and John Legend. In any case, it's after their major fight. There's just a lot of like silence with like low instrumental mm-hmm. background. And it reminded me of a movie I once saw. Alright, strap on your seatbelts, let me tell you about a French film. God. (laughs) I once went to a French film festival, and I read the description of a movie that said something like, oh, it valorizes the quiet parts of life. And I was like, awesome, I love things that are quiet and slow. My ideals. So I was like, I'm gonna go see this movie. So me and my mom go to see this French movie, and... It was over two hours long, there was no spoken dialogue, and it was just filming a farmer going about his day-to-day life, which was filmed over the course of, like, three years. His wife dies halfway through the movie, and I didn't notice. (laughs) Apparently, that's a main plot point. And so I was sitting there, listening to La La Land, and I couldn't hear anything, and for a second I was like, did the movie stop? Is my computer <laughs> broken? And then I thought, oh my god, has the farmer's wife died once again? Uh, I don't think the movie is actually that slow, but I do think that in the second half, it slows way down from the first half, yeah. and I got to the end, and I just felt like there were a couple of different places where the movie could end, mm-hmm. and it would have cut out a lot, but... When I was about to get to the part where there's, like, a whole dream sequence and mm. Mia yes, <laughs> thinks of what could have been if she had been with Seb, which I really wish had happened, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, um, there was still, like, 20 minutes left of the movie. It said 25 minutes. It wasn't quite accurate because the credits are, like, seven minutes long, but there was still, like, 15 minutes yeah. left. And I was just thinking, that's a long time for a movie that could have already ended. That's fair. And I think there's probably a lot of production value, but I just thought it was mean that the director was like, oh, they could have been so happy together. What if it could have been? But it isn't.
1: Well, that's like an homage. I forget what the exact film is called. I think it's like the Umbrellas of Cherbourg or Cherbourg. You speak French. I don't. But that's one of Damien Chazelle's favorite films. Damien Chazelle Uh. wrote and directed the movie. And that has a similar feel of like unrequited love to it. And so I don't know if he was trying to pay homage to that in his own way. I haven't read nearly as much about this as I've read about the creation of The Greatest Showman. So I can't drop some hot musical knowledge on you right now. Um, but yes, I'm always here to fact check. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I like the songs the best. Yeah. I think the songs are excellent. I think it is very non-traditional movie musical sound. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people don't like that. My sister, for example, was like, why can they not sing? I think they can sing, but it's a different style. But I just want to know why they went for the style that they went
1: for. I think, again, that is, like, from what I read, Damien Chazelle was kind of talking about, I'm just going to pull Audrey Hepburn out. Sure. As an example, how, like, she was not the best singer, but, like, it was a style of the time to have that. And I think he was trying to reference that. I'm doing air quotes right now. Golden Age Hollywood musical.
0: I guess I could see that. I think maybe it's just so out of the zeitgeist
1: (laughs) (laughs) that some of the illusions just don't really hit. Yeah. One last point that I had, and this kind of plays into the whole thing, and I'm just going to pose this question to you. And you can see my answer written on my notes right now, so you already know how I feel. Me would you watch this? She's talking about me. Yes. (laughs) Would you watch this as a stage musical? I don't
0: know. I have no idea, maybe. I just I don't know. The two group numbers in this movie musical I already Mm -hmm. said just don't make sense to me. Like the Mm -hmm. somewhere some someone in the crowd. Someone in the crowd just doesn't fit into the movie as much as I want it to. Mm -hmm. I feel like if it was a stage musical, it really would be, like, the two of them. And I guess there are just people around that just wouldn't be that important. Maybe. It could be good.
1: I think it would have to be shorter. I think it would have to be shorter. I want to respond to... I just thought of this. This isn't my answer, but your thing about how it's just the two of them. There's a musical that's played off-Broadway several times called The Last Five Years, by Jason Robert Brown, and it's also a movie starring Jeremy Jordan and Anna Kendrick. That is a movie I do not like. Which, <laughs> which doesn't surprise me, given your Another feelings. Another point of contention. Um, But I feel like the whole thing of, like, two people who, like, both want artistic careers, but then their love doesn't make it, and, like, there's narrative differences and structural differences in both, but I feel like La La Land as a stage musical would be a more... Exuberant, maybe traditional style Broadway musical than the last five years, but they would have a lot of similarities. I almost feel like it would make more sense as a musical than it does as a movie to me. Even though I
0: know it's celebrating Hollywood, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of things that they do would just make more sense because when I'm watching, like, especially older musicals that were written in like mm-hmm. the 50s, you know, I feel like that's kind of the vibe I'm getting because I haven't seen old Hollywood movies. So mm-hmm. when I see this movie, I'm I don't know what I'm thinking
1: about, but I feel like it could work really well. My answer is absolutely not. Oh, no! I feel like surprises a lot of people because... I feel like I've answered incorrectly. No, I just, I wanted to know your opinion because, like, we obviously, we have similar feelings on a lot of things, but we also are different people and we have different thoughts. It's true. And everybody who knows me knows that I love musicals. I love musicals written by Pasik and Paul, who contributed the lyrics to this, but I just feel that so many of the things that make La La Land what it is, the montage, the cinematography, all of those, they don't necessarily translate to the stage very well. I am shaken. And I feel like my one caveat would be if Damien Chazelle directed it for the stage and he, it had his blessing- I feel like I would be more for it. I'd give it a chance, yes. But if it's, like, some person who's just like, oh, I want to adapt La La Land, like, 10 years down the road, I don't know if I would... I'd probably go see it still, but I would feel more cautious about it. I wouldn't be as for
0: it. So here's what I'm thinking. None of them are played by actors, but instead, a la War Horse, (laughs) (laughs) they are all large puppets. (laughs) You know, just to give the whole ensemble cast something to do, since they aren't important to the story at all. John Legend still plays John
1: Legend. I just, yeah, I, and I mean, I love this movie so much, but I don't know. And I, Damien Chazelle has said, because like, I think someone asked him, because again, as we talked about earlier, people see musical and automatically think Broadway. I think he was like, oh yeah, that's like nice that people want to see that, but I really don't think that it's the right medium to tell the story alternative musical idea a story about someone who starts
0: a band named Keith <laughs> perhaps just <laughs> wants to get his band off the ground but he can't find a keyboard player who does he find he runs into a guy he knew from school uh, kind of a nerdy uh man perhaps named Sebastian who's to say uh but then he has to kick Sebastian out of the band <laughs> For being really just a monkey's uncle, would be my phrase of choice. He's so difficult. He won't pose for the pictures during the photo shoot. He won't go to Boise, Idaho without making a big scene at dinner and burning the steaks. I have no idea what he's cooking. I always imagined he'd be cooking Emma Stone steaks.
1: I was thinking chicken, because chicken on a stick. Do you think he eats chicken on a stick? I don't know. When, okay, I really wish we had the film right here, because when they're eating in that scene, it looks like they're eating some kind of white meat. Maybe it's turkey. If they are
0: eating chicken on a stick, I will take back everything I've ever
1: said. I want to ask you a trivia question right now. Okay. Do you know what John Legend and um, Ryan Gosling's band's name is in the movie?
0: Oh my god, it's not the middlemen. It's not Middle March. It's the weathermen. No. What? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that was a different thing. <laughs> middle March is what I'm currently reading. Does it start with an M? Yeah. The Merryweather's? No. The Merry Men? No. Robin Hood and his Merry Men? No.
1: John Legend? I'm just gonna tell you now. And the Middle Marches. Can I have a hint? It starts with an M. It's um an app that you use to text people. Mercedes. <laughs> that was wrong um it's an app that you use to text people if you are on a certain social media platform that's been like selling people's data what (laughs) i have concerns messenger isn't oh they're the messengers yeah the messengers that was a terrible hint i could have given you a better hint i'm so concerned
0: i use that app frequently Um, I think probably they could have had a better band name than that. Yeah. I would like to propose some alternate band names. Go for it. Sensual Tin Man.
1: Ooh,
0: I like that. Narcissistic
1: Cannoli. Mm -hmm. It has to be a certain type of band. Anytime anyone says something about, like, a retro band name, I always think of the phrase, like, how people, like, in the 20s or 30s or whatever would be like, cat. And then I always just think of this clip of Jake Tapper when he's like, eh, I guess I'm just a different breed of cat. (laughs) (laughs) What did all of that mean? (laughs) Or, you know, like, hey, that's the cat's pajamas. Or, like, how in the 1920s, like, a strong woman would be called a bear cat. That's what I remember from my junior year history class in high school. So, I guess that'll be our wrap-up for our discussion of La La Land. As we
0: found out, even if you have different opinions about movies, you can still get along.
1: Yeah, and you can still see movies together, and it's really fun because you can talk about them.
0: That being said, we're going to move on to our social media moment of the week. Or multiple, I have two.
1: I have one, and it's just kind of long. Um, It's a tweet, because that's what my social media moment of the week is. And this woman named Rachel Syme or Rachel Sim. I'm not sure how you pronounce her name. Her handle is at R-A-C-H-S-Y-M-E. And she tweeted three days ago, Funny Girl opened up 54 years ago today at the Winter Garden and I need you all to bask in Babs, that's Barbara Streisand's, Playbill bio from that time. And then she included a picture. I'm going to read it because I feel... Excellent. spiritually connected to this barbara streisand fanny bryce in addition to having appeared off broadway on broadway and away from broadway and nightclubs on television and on the concert stage barbara streisand is the recipient of q magazine's entertainer of the year award a top recording star a talented interior decorator dress designer and portrait painter she also plays field hockey Her performance in the musical I Can Get It For You Wholesale stopped the show and was much admired by the critics, the public, and the show's leading man, Elliot Gould, who married her. Barbara is a follower of Eastern philosophy and cooking, but also favors TV dinners on occasion. She is a renowned collector of antique clothes, shoes, and fans. Her favorite flower is gardenia, since it is the only scent that can never be captured. Her favorite day of the week is Tuesday, since she devotes part of each Tuesday throughout the year to stringing crystal beads, which are sold in a Vermont general store. She knows how to make coffee ice cream and to fix her own hair. For more personal information, write to her mother. That is bold. That is a bold bio. And that is my social media moment of the week. I don't know if anything can top that, so please tell me about your Instas. Wow, it's going to be hard to follow. (laughs) Okay, the first thing I want to talk about was on an
0: Instagram story, so unfortunately you can't check it out and you will just have to trust me, but it was amazing. So Zac Efron went for a political stance this past weekend, which I was very impressed and excited by and I made me as well. proud to be a Zephron fan. Mm-hmm. He posted about the March for Our Lives. He definitely has an actual post, but then he had several signs from the March on his Instagram story. Mm-hmm. And one of them was a picture of two muscular arms, and it said, the only guns I want to hold are Zac Efron's. And I lost it, because I agree, that is the hill that I will fight and die on.
1: And then, like, over top of the picture, he had, like, the praise hands emoji, where it's like,
0: woo! Which is exactly how I feel about Zac Efron's arms. Oh, yeah. Love it. Love some activism. Anyway... My second social media moment, I was going to move on to a new Instagram account, but the intrigue of the account I mentioned last week is just too great for me not to mention once again, if this is the first time you're tuning in. Last week, I mentioned an Instagram account
1: called Flotus. Thank you, Flotus, for following us on Instagram, by the way. Which is something I want to talk about. Flotus. Who
0: are you? Please tell me how you found us. Flotus, F-L-O-T-U-S, period, underscore. You should definitely look it up. Hit our pal Flotus with a follow, our friend of the show.
1: Flotus, friend
0: of the show. Flotus first followed me. I eventually followed back because I found out it was an amazing Instagram account that rates photographs of cardboard boxes out of five flowers. An interesting rating scale, I would agree. Flotus and I have different opinions on boxes. I was just so surprised that they followed us because we have no mutual friends. Except for me, I guess. (laughs) I don't really know what to say about that. But their most recent post, which I think arguably was less good than the unfolded boxes in the supermarket, there's a box on a brick path next to some shoes. First, I'd like to state that this brick path looks alarmingly familiar to me. Plotus. Who are you? But anyway, it's a picture of a box that has been opened, and it says No Knife! Exclamation mark. The caption of the photo is I checked, comma, comma, and it did not lie. There was no knife in this box, period, comma. Five Flowers! They rated this box five flowers! I did comment, I love an accurate box because I like Flotus to know that I'm paying attention. But at the same time, is it the best box? To be fair, their rating for the best box is a dragon, not five (laughs) flowers. But I don't know. I don't know if I agree with them on this one. It is accurate, but I think perhaps no knife was not describing the contents of the box. But who's to say? Anyway, follow Flotus, period, underscore. Follow us on Twitter.
1: We are at OpDynamoPodcast. On Instagram, we are at OperationDynamoPodcast. And if you want to send us an email, we are OperationDynamoPodcast at gmail.com. This can be found in our iTunes bio, our SoundCloud bio, and all of our social media bios. So send us some mail. Also... Our lovely
0: thumbnail for our podcast was designed by my glorious graphic designing sister,
1: Maddie Russo, so thank you for that. And that jazzy bongo music that you hear as our intro and outro is from the YouTube audio library, and it's called Bongo Madness by Kinsas Morea. I apologize if I mispronounced your name. I like to
0: imagine us dramatically entering a room to the theme song, (laughs) so I hope you can imagine that as well. Um, if you've seen our really excellent cover photo that covers some of our interests on Twitter and SoundCloud, that was designed by our very own Sarah.
1: And also, please subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. Because why would you want to miss any of this beautiful witty banter? Make sure, while
0: you're on iTunes, to, uh, rate us. Uh, leave a review. Tell us what you like and what you don't like. Mostly what you like. Give us suggestions. Yes, we want more things to talk about. That about wraps it up. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I'm Abby. I'm Sarah. Good night and good luck.